I was in Minneapolis last weekend visiting uh, Amy's and my daughter, Emily, and on Sunday morning we were driving up to the northern suburbs, and along the way to go to uh, her church, along the way we passed field after field after field. And they were all, of course, just totally snow-crusted over, sitting idly since way last fall. Rock-solid, packed down, crusted over. They, they just looked totally lifeless. The thought of the old Midwest expression, corn becoming knee-high by the 4th of July, just seemed impossible looking at those fields. But beneath the snow-crusted Minnesota tundra. Below the surface, of course, lies great hope, great potential. Life itself, farmers know that. And they look at a field and they know that there's great potential. There's so much that could be. They know that there's only one way to get at what lies beneath, to get at the incredible potential that lies just below the surface. Farmers know that. Watch this. The 2230 was great this spring. Um, so much more efficient and faster. Uh, pulled a lot easier than what we had before. Um, really did a nice job. Through good conditions, I was going about 10 with the new 9620 RX. Uh, it pulled real easy. You can plant a lot more acres with pulling a cultivator 10 mile an hour compared to seven. It did just a level job. The higher speeds that we're planting at, we didn't notice any any side-to-side -side sway or, or anything between your uh, deep tillage. It really, really did a nice level job. The true set tillage uh, was, a, was a huge improvement to us with this tool because we could, we could manage our depth from the cab and uh, the down pressure uh, on our beater from the cab. So uh, depending on field conditions, we could uh, adjust on, on the go. Was really nice you know going through the field um, being able to change the depth or the pressure on the basket was really nice through wet conditions or over sand hills it'll allow us to plant more acres um, in a shorter period of time to get our crop in to let it grow it's the best equipment on the market we've just we bought it uh, because of the dealer network parts availability and just reliability it's uh, Day in and day out, you can count on it. That's why we've always run dairy equipment. Man, I, I love the one line of the young farmer, to let it grow. That, that's the goal of, of any farmer. When it comes to what he wants out of his field, he wants new life. He wants growth. That's also the laser-focused goal of God when it, when it comes to you and to me. He wants the same for you and me. It's all about new life. It's, it's all about growth from him. You and me, man, we were created to live life to the fullest, to grab a hold of the giant apple of life and take a huge bite out of it. You and me, we were created to live lives that ultimately matter for something way larger than ourselves. As we live life with a song in our heart that comes from the deepest part from our very soul. It's there, deep inside of each one of us, that you and I were born for greatness. Not, not greatness as the world knows it. No, greatness comes ultimately when we have a relationship with a great God. 
a God of power and, and, and determination to bring the very best out of us that he created us to live. Why ultimately are we here? What is the chief end of man, the old catechism line goes? It is to glorify our great God and enjoy him forever. It's there in the midst of glorifying and enjoying God that we experience the greatness that we were born for. But sadly, some lives, some situations are like the frozen fields of Minnesota. Frozen, stuck, hopeless. Caught in a vicious cycle of, of sin and regret and, and habits and, and fear. Desperately in need of a restart. In need of forgiveness and and healing, love, compassion, renewal, ultimate redemption. For many, there's a sense that, that there's just something missing, that, that life is not what it could be. So much potential, and we know that, but stuck, kind of, kind of frozen over, worried that change may never come. It, if that describes you, and, and your life this morning, then Psalm 103 is for you. Turn with me to Psalm 103. The first few verses, actually the first six verses, listen as I read. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, that's, that's what we ultimately want. You know, a passage like that describes life at its very best. We want a pure, connected relationship with God. We want to be free of sin and brokenness and disease, free from the pits that are dark and scary and rotten. We want God-given desires to be satisfied with, as the psalmist says, good things. We want to be loved. We, we want to experience true compassion. We want renewal. We want to be rejuvenated and strong and ready to take on the world. We want our lives to count for something important in God's hand. That's what we want. We who are lost in sin, diseased, trapped in a pit, feeling unloved, uncared for, tired, old, washed up, unsatisfied. We want to live great lives, but, but that list, that list is juxtaposed right there in Psalm 103 as he describes the psalmist does a life that's meant to be lived to the fullest. Listen, it doesn't have to stay like it is if like it is, is not all that God intended for you. It's not important to chase after the things that are not of the Lord, but rather the things that are. There is ultimate hope. It is possible to go from what is to what could be. It's possible to go from a sin-soaked, sick, trapped, unloved, exhausted, depressed, unsatisfied life 
to a life that's forgiven, healed, liberated, loved, supported, refreshed, renewed, and satisfied. See, says the Lord, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah 43, 19. A new thing springing up, a way in the wasteland. For, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans, prosper, hope, future. Going from what is to what could be. And this is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. You were, but now because of Jesus through the Spirit of our God, you are. You are in a whole new place. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. Man, those verses and so many others in Scripture represent one of the great themes of the Bible, that God is a God of change. He doesn't leave us where he is. He's a God that takes us where we are. He accepts us where we are. And he has the power and the will to take us where we should be. That involves, more often than not, bone-rattling change, which, which never comes easy. No, none of us like change. It doesn't come easy. It's not easy to experience life-transforming change, to experience real-life change. But to do that, I believe three things are necessary. First, we need to be still long enough to hear God's call. In order to move from where we are to where he would have us be, to move into his purpose, his plan, we need to hear his voice. That's where it all starts. It's where it started for, for Abraham. And his experience of moving where he, where he was to where God intended him to be. Late in life, God spoke to Abraham and cast an outrageous vision for his life, a vision that came to pass. That that is where God's voice started things for Moses. Moses had risen to incredible heights of power and, and all the rest. God broke him down and eventually spoke to him through a burning Bush giving him a vision of something way more incredible than he ever found in an an Egyptian palace. King David, Elijah, Joseph, Mary, the disciples, Paul. The list goes on and on, not only in Scripture, but throughout history. The Bible and history are filled with women and men who were living their lives, many fine, you know, And then came the voice of God, calling. So the question right out of the gate here is, what about about you? Are you quiet and still long enough to hear God's call? God's call. It's the first step on a journey to a changed life. 
And then second, we need to experience God's spiritual cultivation. Think back on that video clip of the farmers. They, they were all about that new tractor and that cultivator dragging behind it. That, that's how important it was to get a good crop, to churn up that field and to make it ready. The word cultivate is one of those interesting words that we never use, but we fully know what it means. It literally means to prepare, to, to get ready for use. If you're going to go from what is to what could be, cultivation must happen. A sort of churning in, in, a, in a life sense from the hand of God to the point that your stuck life is prepared for what God wants to bring next. For, for a new life, a, a new fresh restart and beginning. Just like that frozen field in Minnesota. For a farmer and for God, cultivation is the key to bringing out the potential that lies just below the surface, which is at the end of the day, the only way to true transformation. And that real long lasting change can only come for you and me from the hand of Jesus. Jesus is the one that calls us out. And as we respond, turns our life upside down. He turns it up. He cultivates it. You see him doing that again and again and again, in all he encountered during his brief life here on this earth. A life with Jesus, writes Mike Iaconelli, is a mixed-up, topsy-turvy, upside-down toboggan ride of unexpected turns, surprise bumps, and bone-shattering crashes. A life ruined by Jesus himself, who loves us right into his arms. Behold, Jesus says, I make all things new. To make something new, you have to at the very least reconfigure the old. And that does not come easy. And there's only one way to pull it off. Politics doesn't make all things new. Religion doesn't make all things new. New laws and rules and all the rest, those things don't make all things new. No. No, deep, true, permanent change, going from what is to what could be, can only come from the hand of God. Only the author, creator, sustainer of your life has the ability and the right to change you into what you were intended to be. And so the question is this morning, do you dare let him do that? You know, do, do you dare let him take you to a new place? A place that you never imagined. A place that on the onset could seem pretty frightening and just way out of the box. And in the end, it just seems to me that a relationship with Jesus is a journey. A journey empowered by the Holy Spirit, immersed in the word of God and prayer. A journey with others in the church, the body of Christ. That's why you're here this morning. We can't go it alone. As we work together for the coming of the kingdom of God. A journey that takes you deeper and deeper into a relationship with him, with Christ. As he cultivates, as he churns up, as he prepares you for something great. 
where your godly desires are satisfied with good things, as the psalmist writes, where your youth is renewed like the eagles, the psalmist writes. Man, imagine your life like that. Your life like an eagle, strong and majestic and focused and purposeful. Like, just let your mind go there for a moment. You live like that, and you become incredibly excited to get up in the morning, to, to see what God has for you today. Which brings us to the third thing necessary if we're going to go from what is to what could be. And that is to courageously go. When you hear God's call, when you submit to his cultivating, churning process in your life, there comes a time with courage and strength that you need to step out. And he makes it clear to you. In the end, we must respond as Isaiah did. Okay, okay, here am I, send me. It takes courage, it takes guts to respond like that, to step up and to act. Courage like that of Jeremiah. The story of Jeremiah's journey into the ministry and the calling of God on his life is one of my favorite stories in scripture. I use it all the time, not only for my own life, but especially with students. Jeremiah was a kid going about his typical kid life when he encountered a calling, cultivating, courageous, demanding God. Jeremiah 1, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. He, he said that when Jer to Jeremiah when he was a kid. God's call came. He saw in Jeremiah what Jeremiah could never see in himself. And so he starts um, pushing back. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young, which he did. That was his pushback. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. It's like he's saying, listen, I'm God. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Saying no to me is not an option. God continues with compassion and understanding in verse 8. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. And it's there that cultivation happens. God acts to touch and change Jeremiah. He promises to be with him every step of the way, putting his words in Jeremiah. At the end of the day, it wasn't about Jeremiah. It was about God using him to change the world. And then he gives him his marching orders in verse 10. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. God's call to courageously go Jeremiah's job description, once he does go, involves six things. Four in that list in verse 10 are destructive. And they weren't going to come easy. Uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow. Saying that to like a 13, 14-year-old kid. And then the final two were constructive. To build and to plant. Man, those six 
things that God was calling Jeremiah to way out of the realm of his comfort zone were, were specific enough to know that he was being tasked with something enormous, but they were general enough to make him totally rely on God because he didn't, he didn't really know what he was talking about. God called Jeremiah. He cultivated and prepared him. And then he tells him to courageously go and that he would be with him every step of the way. And how about you? You know, what, what words would describe your life as it is now? Especially your spiritual life and the direction in which you're going. Do you sense God is about to do something new in you and through you? Listen for his voice. Yield to his cultivating, preparing process. And when the time is right, and you know you have your marching orders, courageously go. God's calling, God's cultivation. The fact that he's calling you to courageously go. May, may you, may I, may, may we as a church be marked by that. And in so doing, may the words of Ezekiel 36 be true of you, of, of us. But you will burst with new growth, putting out branches and bearing fruit for my people Israel. My people are coming home. Do you see? I'm back again. I'm, I'm on your side. You, you'll be plowed and planted as, bef as before. I'll see to it that your population grows all over Israel, that the towns fill up with people and the ruins are rebuilt. I'll make this place Team with life, human and animal. The country will burst into life, life and more life. Your towns and villages full of people just as in the old days. I'll treat you better than I ever have. And you'll realize that I am God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you never give up on us, that you're all always taking us where we're at and moving us into a place, a new place that you intend us to be. We thank you for your dream and your plan for each one of our lives and the fact that you allow us to enter into that corporately in the body of Christ. May it be so. May that passage from Ezekiel mark us, be true of us as individuals, as families, and as a church family. And we'll give you all the glory for that. In Christ's name, amen.